passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now... Here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We're back. I'm back in town. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football. we got a regular crew, Keely Yorn Studio, Dan Weber on the line via Skype. And we got to talk about USC finally completing its full coaching staff we'll talk about that the spring football dates have been announced we'll talk about that and get to all of your questions and comments if you have any questions for us you can email us podcast at uscfootball.com we got a lot of emails this week so thanks for that you can also call or text us at 424-254-9141 we'll play a voicemail for you we got a couple texts in there i believe thanks so much for doing all that sending those in it really drives the show especially in the off season, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, Megaphone, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe. Make sure it comes to your phone. Every time we put up a new episode, it'll come right to your phone, your device. It's great. You can just listen to the USC content all the time. We're going to try to put up multiple episodes throughout the entire off season. We even have a special one. I kind of teased it at the end of uh, the Harvey Hyde podcast. We'll have a special one coming up a little bit later this week, so make sure you check that out. And we're going to do... So it looked like we're going to do tunnel vision on Wednesday night, Keely. Is that is that true? Interesting. It sounds like it. We're still waiting on Mr. Shotgun to Yeah, you and I will be that. here. Yes, we'll be here. I don't know if, if Shotgun will. Hopefully, if not, we'll get Chris Trevino or somebody to come in. Maybe we'll have Dan drive in. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But we'll do a tunnel vision show uh, for that. But that was Keely. You just heard from her. Hello, hello. And we got Dan Weber on the line. Hello, Dan. Howdy. How from Orange County. Tustin. Shots to Orange County. Yeah. Uh, the center of everything, right in the middle of Orange County. Nice. Yeah. It like you look at a map, it's like, boom, right there, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, well, we want to get into some of the, the new stuff. I want to thank our sponsor before we roll into it, Trader Joe's. We talked last week, and I got some clarification about why there's no Trader Joe's in Hawaii. There's been a lot of interest. They've There's been some sources told me they've scouted some locations. Sources. But it is really hard to get product there because everything. Well, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, the infrastructure is just, you know, it's it's different in Hawaii. So I don't know if it's going to end up happening. So for all our Hawaiian listeners, uh, I would keep emailing them, let them know, you know, if there's enough interest. It sounds like there's a lot of interest. Uh, but, you know, you see a lot of flowers in Hawaii. 
just had Valentine's Day. Hope everyone had a great Valentine's Day. You want to do something cool at Trader Joe's? They have a lot of fresh flowers there. They do. Would you like having fresh flowers in your house? Keila, are you someone that likes to bring some flowers into the house? Everyone? Always, yeah. I actually go to Trader Joe's to get flowers. They have a great selection. It's something you just put in the, on your kitchen table or mm-hmm. something or wherever you want. So, uh, you know, we talk about food most of the time. But you can brighten up your house or your apartment or whatever with uh, some fresh flowers from Trader Joe's. Yeah. Uh, Dan, did you, are you a flower guy, Dan? It sounded like Dan was going to. I am, in. actually, believe it or not. I, I've got, uh, I'm looking at five uh, different uh, flower bouquets in, 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 the, uh, in the house right now. Wow. So, That's, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm big time. Uh, <laughs> I was a gardener, actually. So I, uh, of course, that you was were. one of the reasons <laughs> we sold our house. Uh, it took too much time, to be honest. So it's much easier to get your flowers at uh, at Trader Joe's, and they do have an unbelievably good, you know, selection. I yep. think the best time to buy flowers is always like after Valentine's Day or after Mother's Day. Like you buy it leading up to it, not like at a place like Trader Joe's, but like you're, you know, it's always hard to buy flowers like right before one of the big holidays. But afterwards, you can get them cheap if you want that. Well, yep. also giving someone random flowers goes far. Pro tip. For all you males oh. out there, random <laughs> flowers go a long way. <laughs> that, I, I always like the random flower thing more than the... Because like, it shows extra thought, you know? Yeah, if you're just driving by one, you're like, oh, you know what? You're like, I'm Joe whatever. I'm dating Keely right now. I'm going to bring her some extra flowers. You <laughs> I'm know? not dating a Joe, but yes. Well, whatever. Sure, just, yes. you know, Joe like, Schmo. Joe Schmo's like driving home from work and he picks up some flowers for Keely and Keely's like, that's very nice. Yeah, Thank it goes you. a long way. We should start a, a Parastyle podcast flower initiative. Okay. Tweet us your flowers. You get your significant other. How about that? I like it. <laughs> Especially if they're Trader Joe's. Tweet yep. us the, yep. the pictures there. Um, all right. Well, we got to talk about some... Breaking news. Uh, Keely reminded me of this because I was in Hawaii and might have had a couple adult beverages. But from a from from a bar stool in Hawaii, I got a source talking to me and figure out that uh, USC is making their defensive line uh, coaching hire. So um, so I put it on the peristyle and then our actually our sister site that covers Virginia, where Vic Sooto uh, was coaching. He coached defense, defensive line for Virginia the past three seasons, um, and they confirmed that he was cleaning out his desk and he was going to take the USC job. Uh, so it kind of came out from there with some national people picked up on it or whatever. And um, but we, you know, if you're a member of the Peristyle, and we got a special going on right now, a do- like if you're not a member right now, for a buck you're going to get all of spring football for two months. So you definitely should do that. Um, but so yeah, so we put that up on the Peristyle. It was confirmed that the next morning. And now a week later, USC makes it official that he's been hired. There's always this red tape and stuff to go through. And, yeah. and we have people in the peristyle actually asking, like, wait, USC hired somebody? And, like, and everyone's like, you know, Japan, Bar- Pearl Harbor, they're always like, yeah, like breaking news. Like, dude, we've known about this for a week. Um, but I get it because there a long time goes by between the news breaks. And you're not going to talk about a defensive line hire for like forever. You're going to talk about it for a while and then you kind of move on. But yeah. then it becomes news again because USC finally makes it official but uh dan maybe get your thoughts on uh the official announcement uh coming that usc hired vix oto yeah i mean it's it's kind of cool <clears throat> usc isn't exactly hiring and uh, they're not following uh, or they are following your uh you know prescription uh not to hire anybody that knows the fight song but they're hiring southern california people uh you know vic is uh, an oceanside guy 
uh, and I guess he played at Carlsbad High School, uh, and Dante Williams coming back, you know, a Long Beach guy and all of that. They didn't go to USC, but uh, but you're bringing guys home that kind of have a feel of Southern California. And Vic is just what an uh, unbelievable profile. He played at Brigham Young, played, um, uh, I guess, for four or five NFL teams. And then, uh, you know, is, is responsible for, you know, a lot of what the good stuff that got uh, Virginia the last three years and this year got back to a, a, a January 1st bowl game and all that. Uh, uh, so he really looks like uh, an excellent hire. Not that, you know, some of the guys that left we didn't, we thought were pretty good, pretty good coaches, but uh, this gives you really an entirely. Uh, a brand new uh, staff on defense and uh, a good looking staff, uh, you know, but again, we thought last year's staff wasn't all that bad. And uh, I think a lot of other things have to still happen, but uh, the staff looks good. I really like Vic looks like, uh, you know, 30, I think he's 32 years old. Um, you know, somebody that those guys can identify with and maybe light a fire under, under those guys. And uh, uh, I think a really good move. Yeah, I played for uh, was it Bronco Mendenhall at BYU, and then you know now was under him at Virginia. Um, just you know, I think someone that's going to know he's not as good coach. He's going to know the fundamentals. Someone that you know only three years of experience, but in a position like this, I kind of like it. I just like the fire that he's bringing, and uh, it, it seems like it's going to be a good fit. Where some of the other times they've hired inexperienced coaches, and you're sort of like seem more like a reach. Like this doesn't seem like. A reach to me. Keely, what were your thoughts on the, the hire? Yeah, I thought this was a good final piece to the puzzle. Having a younger guy who kind of still looks like he could play the position if he wanted to. Um, he handled West Coast recruiting at Virginia. Uh, like Dan said, he's a SoCal native. He's a fiery guy. Uh, he's said that he's against soft he doesn't like soft players, soft practices, which fits in with Todd Orlando. Um, he's also said... Does that fit in with Clay Helton? We'll see. <laughs> but we'll talk about that later. He said Saturday should be the easy day, which we've talked about. Someone else in Trojan history has said that before. So wow. I think this was a good fit, having a younger guy, a more fiery guy to kind of add that boost to practices that you need sometimes when you're dragging and whatnot. So I think it was a good final piece to the puzzle. I also like the fact that he was a linebacker. Uh, I like it that, you know, I, I just want to see them getting that defensive line moving. Uh, I just, you know, and more athletic. And I thought they were, they kind of, you know, took the blows and kind of, you know, didn't really get off the mark like you'd like to see them do. So I think that blending of a guy who played linebacker but has been a, a D-line coach, I like that combination, uh, you know, going together for this group uh, that's athletic, uh, with a lot of potential, but he haven't really shown it and hadn't made it work for him yet. Uh, so I think it's a good, you know, combination of all, of all kinds of good things. Yeah. All right. Well, so good news for USC. The coaching staff is complete. Dun, dun, dun. I talked about this with Harvey Hyde on our show Monday and maybe get both of your guys' thoughts before we jump into questions. Um, Keely, maybe you first. Do you sure. think with the six new coaches, you got new special teams, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and I know they were special teams was a big emphasis at Kansas State because, you know, Bill Snyder was big in the special team. So Sean Snyder coming in. Todd Orlando, you know, talked about, you know, physical practices and all that. Do you think we're going to see a change? Because the, 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 the uh, schedule came out and it looks pretty much exactly the same where it's yep. like a week on, a week off. 
the spring showcase a week before it ends. So like that, like the way it's structured doesn't look differently. But when we watch them, and I'm told they're going to be open, that hasn't been announced yet, but that's what my sources are saying. So when we, assuming we get to watch them, are you expecting to see something different, Keely? If this was my first rodeo, I think I would say yes. But oh, it's, it's skepticism. not. I, I'm going to be, prove me wrong. That's what I'm going to say. But the thing is, is even if we see it, I was actually, I came a away from spring camp impressed we saw the rest return we saw physical practices and yet what happens when the season gets going in the middle of the season are they doing tough practices no so even if they do have a great spring will it last i don't know and so even mm. if it's a great spring prove me wrong in the middle of october that's what i, I, I have love to say. that <laughs> keely with a little fire there uh dad what, what about you yeah I, I would go prove me wrong uh first week of september in uh, Arlington, Texas, I think is the is the key. Uh, I just was was on an Alabama radio show yesterday. Obviously, they're getting ready for the opener, uh, of course, in Alabama, and uh, they their point of reference was the last time these two teams played, and Clay was the coach, and it fifty two to six. And the question is, what's the deal with Clay Helton? <clears throat> Why? Is he on a like really hot seat? And I said, I don't even know what to say about uh, Clay because I guess if you go back to that game, and we were talking about this a little bit ago, if you go back to that game, every single one of the coaches identified with USC is gone except for Clay Helton. Uh, I guess Kerry Colbert was a, an analyst at Alabama, so at least he'll be there um, from that game, but he'll be, you know, with USC. Uh, I think since that time, both uh, two USC athletic directors are gone. Uh, the top three associate athletic directors are gone. I think eight other head coaches at USC are gone. Uh, the strength and conditioning guy is gone. I mean, when you talk about everybody pretty much that was involved in that game is gone, except for Clay Helton. And you, somebody, and those guys would say, why do you think that is? You guys have an answer? Does anybody have an answer? <laughs> How is that possible yeah. that everybody is gone and the only person left standing is Clay Helton? How is that possible? Yeah, that's uh, some survivability there. Uh, for you know, we, we talk about this off there where if you're like the CEO of a company and the company's struggling and you get rid of the board of directors like twice – you get, you know, you, uh, all the VPs are fired, uh, or move on and, and you're still the CEO. Something's yeah. Something's not quite right. So it's, uh, and that, you know, we know the fans are frustrated with that, but that's kind of the situation that USC's in right now. And, I, and a lot of it stems from just so much inept leadership from the athletic department that, that if you had good leadership there, this, you wouldn't have allowed what you described Dan to happen. Well, and one other one, the, president of the university is oh, yeah. gone so i mean you talk about a wipeout <clears throat> and uh there is no way to explain it yeah unfortunately when you're trying to tell the people in alabama and they want to know <clears throat> why is clay helton still there maybe so maybe a better analogy would be like you're an account you're like the cfo of an accounting firm and you've had all these you know like audits are coming in there's all these you know issues and your CEO has been fired. Uh, the board of directors, you know, have been fired you know, twice. 
and all the you know the VPs that work for you have all been fired, and somehow you still survived. And there's all these like accounting issues, and you're the CFO, uh, but everyone else around you is gone, and you're not. You know, so it's it's crazy. And and you've hired a whole new staff who basically, when they get hired, come in and say, "We're going to do things completely differently from how." the head coach has been doing them. I mean, you know, with, with what Todd Orlando says about how you got to practice and now Vic, what he says about how you got to practice. And, and it's just, it, it's, it's a puzzle where the pieces don't fit together. Yeah, exactly. Well, Keely, should we yes. start rolling into questions? Let's do it. Uh, it's kind of, this first one is a contrast to what we were just talking about. It's from Mike in Portland, class of 67. He says, any chance we can move on after the decision to retain Clay? It would be great to learn more about the new coaches and what they bring to the table. I think there are a lot of positives with the new coaches and the experience that SC is bringing back, so it would be good to hear about what we can expect for next season. I understand Clay has been raw meat to many, but how many times can you chew him up and spit him out? Hopefully the feeding frenzy has run its course and we can all focus on the future. With all the new coaches there, there will be a lot of positive positive energy by them, which everyone should help support. It would be great if you could interview a few of the new coaches and hear what they plan for the spring and fall. As the old saying goes, it is the darkest before the morning light. And we have seen the darkness, so let's now get to enjoying the light. Thanks, Mike in Portland and Ryan, your face right now. What the Mike? Oh, we love you, Mike. But I mean, it's hard to it's 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 hard to like move forward if you're doing so, like if you're out there and uh, I don't know. I'm just gonna make something up on the fly. Like you're Christmas shopping and it's wow. uh, it's very crowded. Like it's you know it's like three days before Christmas and it's like man the the mall's crowded. And then you go the next day. It's two days before Christmas. I'm like, man, the mall's crowded. Like, you know, let's just forget about it. Let's just move forward. We'll go shopping tomorrow and everything's going to be fine. Like, it's going to be crowded than freaking mall tomorrow because it's now one day before Christmas. So I don't, it's hard to move on when you don't make a change, you know? So that's. My analogy is it's raining. You brought some nice umbrellas. You have them out there. But if you put the umbrellas down and it's still raining, the rain could go away. <laughs> true. But right now there's umbrellas and there's still rain. I don't know. Came up with that on the spot. I like that. That's a, that's a, that's a good one. I like that. <clears throat> Mine is always the uh, uh, your pilot comes on the plane and says, uh, the last three plane crashes that I was uh, flying the plane really weren't my fault. <laughs> no one else survived, but I, I walked away from every one of those crashes and I'm ready to go. And at that point, you see the entire crew jumping out the windows. Uh, and it's it's kind of like that, I think, a little bit. Yeah, um, it's hard to like, and it's hard to know when you know that Alabama's the first game up. I'm not sh- looking for morning light at that point. Like, you got if you beat Alabama, like, yeah, okay, get fine. Like, okay, be optimistic. But it's darkest before the morning light. You can't say it's darkest now when Alabama's your next game. Like, it's probably going to get darker. Like, most like ninety percent of the time, it's going to get darker when Alabama's your next game. In the first game of the season. Yeah. Yes. But like, I mean, you know, and, and there are opportunities here. This is what's so frustrating. Alabama hasn't been shutting down really good pass offenses. They haven't. USC probably, I think you could make the case, is there a better pass offense going into the next season? With, uh, you know, quarterback insurance, three guys who started games, uh, a Heisman Trophy candidate, uh, you know, the top Heisman Trophy candidate in the Pac-12. 
the best receiving core, the deepest receiving core in the country if Daniel and Modern Baby comes back healthy. Uh, and, you know, Brew McCoy and uh, Kyle Ford added to what is already coming back. Uh, you know, that's the kind of team that maybe ought to have a chance against Alabama. And yet, you know, Alabama is going to have a new quarterback, maybe. Uh, and I saw Bill Conley, who does some really interesting analysis of, uh, of what what teams are bringing back. And a, a USC, one of the top five in the country that he sees as turnaround prospects to really do well, USC brings back 82% of its production from last year. Alabama brings back 42% of its production. So there are a lot of ways that you could say, man, you know, this is set up for USC to, to return you know, to, uh, you know, prominence in college football. And yet, who can get 52 to 6 out of your head? Or or the Iowa game out of your head? I mean, those guys that were so productive for USC uh, who are coming back played in that Iowa game, or a lot of them did, and how'd that turn out, you know? So, uh, really difficult to try to be, uh, I think Keeley's right. It's, it's very difficult to paint a, you know, a positive picture here knowing, uh, you know, what's kept USC from putting it all together. And I would say, I'm sorry, dude, go ahead, Keeley. No, I was just going to say to Mike's point, I do think these new defensive hires are good and it's a great step forward. But I think the problem that he's missing is the whole clay part is if he dictates what happens and it's not in the right direction of that USC should go, then, it doesn't matter the the parts and pieces that you fix. It's still Clay Helton at the helm, you know. So I don't know. Yeah. You can just brush aside brush aside that part that he kind of wants to move on from. And I, I would say this, um, you know, we're over talking about he shouldn't be the like. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Like there's still fans that are like hoping that somehow he gets fired between now. Like okay, you know, he's Clay Helton's the head coach now. You don't. We're not going to change our minds and say that was the right call. Like it's just you know we've we've made our you know, we've talked about that, but like Keely said, the, the changes that were made are good. Like I like the defensive changes. I think special teams will be better. Like Dan said, uh, there's a ton of production coming back from this team. So this team could be good. The problem is it's like, are they good? But you know, they could be great. But you know, if you lose to Alabama and like, so you, you lose on the road to Oregon and you lose like Notre Dame and you go nine and three, and then you like lose to Oregon in the, the Pac-12 championship, but they they beat the crap out of like Colorado and Arizona State and stuff like that. Like, that's still not going to be good enough. Like, you got to beat you know a couple of those uh, the power teams on your schedule. And even though this team could be great, there's going to be a lot of changes. I'm just not sure they can get over that hump and do that and go like 11 and one. And then if they're going 11 and one, okay, you take them seriously. But if it's like nine and three and you lost to the teams that are good, it's like it, it you know it's too late for that. Like you, that's not enough. Yeah, and if you lose to Alabama like thirty-one to twenty-eight, and you say you yeah. come out of there and you say, "Boy, we played great, man! That was a no. You lost. You know, you <laughs> gotta have a different attitude about it. You know, you gotta have an attitude different from what we've seen after losses with USC. I mean, you you have to make losing unacceptable, and I don't think." We've seen uh, losing unacceptable at all. I mean, they've lost 13 times in the last two years, and you don't get a feeling that almost any of those were like, that's unacceptable. No, it's unacceptable. I mean, I think 
you need a head coach right now who tells them going into spring practice that losing to Alabama is unacceptable. Absolutely. You're USC and you're not going to lose to Alabama. And is that message going to be, you know, is that the message they're going to get? Or is that the message they'll get if they play well and don't quite win uh, the Alabama game? Or do you come out of there and say, you know, we got to get better. You don't want to be, you know, this always, we did really, you know, that was, you know, guys fought hard and that was really encouraging. And no, it's not acceptable. You can't have an acceptance of losing. And that's been part of the culture the last few years, that there's an acceptance of losing. Yeah. Yep. That's a really good point. Yeah. You can't, fans don't want to hear that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think you could be encouraged, you know, internally if they do hang with Alabama and then like, wow, that probably is going to be bode well for the rest of the season. Yeah. But you can't, yeah, the message has to be, that's not good enough, you know? And, and I think you're exactly right, Dan. Yeah. But the, yeah. And if say, let's say they had hired urban Meyer, do you think losing to Alabama would be acceptable right now? I mean, do you think they would go in there thinking, Hey, you know, that's Alabama. No, you'd be going in there thinking we can put up enough points so we can beat them. And uh, we're going to be so much more physical than we have been. And we're not going to let, we're not going to back off from anybody physically. Is that going to be the message? I don't know. It should be. Yeah. The message has always been the issue. And I don't know if that gets figured out. It's just part of Clay Helton's DNA, you know? Yeah. He's going to try to be positive about things and stuff. And it doesn't, uh, doesn't really, you know, the the fans don't really like that. We, I mean, we, to be fair, we don't like it. I, I, I'm, I've not liked the last couple of press conferences Clay Helton has had as much as I like him as a person. Um, but I, I don't like what he's been saying the last couple ones. And so we'll, we'll see if that changes. And one of the problems is he doesn't even get mad at us and not necessarily should he get mad at, you know, present company, but there are things that have happened that he ought to get mad about. And I know he keeps recycling the, you know, the false report that he was, uh, you know, was fired. And he ought to get mad about that. He ought to get really mad about that. There are things he ought to get mad about. He ought to get mad about, you know, the way he, uh, the perception that this is a soft program. And he ought to get mad at himself. And I don't know if he's capable of any of those, I'm so mad, we're, we're, we're absolutely going to do something about it. We're never going to have anybody call us soft again. Uh, I don't know if I see that. I have a voicemail uh, that is along the lines of the Alabama talk we had, so I'll play this one for you. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Hey, Peristyle. Hey, Trojan fans. If USC beats Alabama on a neutral field with all our weapons, with all our new defensive coaches, and that crazy offense that we have that nobody can go in man coverage against or you're done. Some of you will be happy and some of you may want to commit suicide. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Uh, I don't have the suicide prevention hotline yeah. number on me, but look <laughs> that up. If you're thinking about that, we don't want to encourage anything like that. Uh, I, you know, to be honest though, I get what he's saying, 
But I think if USC beats Alabama, those fans will be happy. Like, I think they'll be happy. Like, are they going to love Clay Helton? No. But beating Alabama is like another thing. Like, you just beat Notre Dame. You like feel damn good about beating Notre Dame. I don't think you worry about, you know, that that it might help Clay Helton. I think you beat Alabama like that, the fans are going to feel good. I don't think they're going to, you know, not feel like not what Curtis said, but. I mean, this is a team that has an unbelievable opportunity. I mean, can you imagine, for example, what Pete Carroll would be talking to him about, how you can open with a win over Alabama, you can close the regular season with a win over Notre Dame in the Coliseum. I mean, he'd be, those guys would be, you know, just going crazy thinking about, look at what the opportunity is for us. And we do have enough talent, probably, uh, to get that done if we do things differently. If we change as much on defense and special teams as we changed on offense last year that's the kind of thing they can tell themselves look we can get there i mean obviously are there problems yeah the two areas that you know clay specifically was going to be in charge of uh turnovers and penalties you put the two together and usc was the worst team in the nation with turnovers and penalties combined uh that's a bad sign i mean that was going to be clay's baby and it didn't work out. Uh, so you have to do things differently. Is it? You know, I thought last year they almost had enough of a nucleus on the coaching staff to kind of take over and take practice away from Clay. But when you looked at, you know, defensive coordinator and special teams coordinator and Clay, you did not have enough ability of that coaching staff. And unfortunately for some of those guys who I think would have liked to have been able to change the way they do things, they're not here. Uh, is there a nucleus now on this coaching staff to uh, to wrest uh, complete control of practice away from Clay? I don't know. I think there might be. Uh, Kansas State, I mean, the Snyders were tough, physical, hard-nosed coaches. I think, you know, Sean Snyder brings a whole different, you know, attitude, uh, you know, it's not just we're going to be smarter than you. We're going to no. You're going to have to do a lot of things physically, and uh, and challenge yourself and challenge the other team. And the same thing on defense. You can't walk through practice on defense. You can't only tackle on Saturdays. Um, and, and we'll probably see. And, and as Keeley points out, what they do in spring doesn't necessarily carry over into the season. So it's one of those. Should we be fooled? you know, by them being competitive and fairly physical in the spring. I mean, that's going to be one of the problems in, in analyzing this team. Uh, when they get to mock game week, you know, what do they, you know, I mean, the whole mock game week and then game week, you got two weeks of basically not playing football, and then you got Alabama. That's uh, a problem. Yeah. Curtis was very enthusiastic this week. He Did sent three emails and a voicemail. <laughs> Wow, he sent another email too. I think so. There's multiple emails, wow. and there was, and there was those were that was he sent a voicemail to Harvey Hyde, um, and there might have been another voicemail or two. I can't play all of Curtis's stuff because he he calls quite a bit, and now he's emailing more too. So yeah, he wants me to parrot his lines, which is interesting. Uh, we have a quick. Well, sorry, Dan. well, I'm just thinking about Curtis. I'm I'm actually have the TV on here, and I'm watching once one more time for like the fiftieth time to finish in the uh, Daytona 500. And I'm thinking Curtis could be a little bit like Ryan Newman as he made that last turn in first place. And then what happened the next, you know, the next 10 seconds. 
um, where he uh, ended up on the finish, you know, finishing on the roof of the car, banged up and, you know, whatever. You know, you can really feel good about this USC program and still get to that point where, uh-oh, and things go completely sideways. And um, that's going to be the hardest part about this for everybody is is trying to keep in mind the history and the tendencies that we've seen uh, no matter what. And, and the problem here, I think, is this is the last chance where USC has this much talent on one team because – you know, the recruiting the last couple of years is probably not going to give them the ability uh, to come back with as many players uh, the next couple of years as they've got this year. And they, you know, with the right coaching and all that, you can adjust for that. But this is the year. This can't be, oh, we're turning it around and we're built. No, you got to do it this year. You got this year to turn it around. That's it. And is there that kind of urgency? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. We have an email from Paul in Vegas who says, a question I recently asked on the P, Dan, can you monitor the intensity level of the O-line? The reason I ask is given the importance of the O-line this upcoming season and its relative thinness due to poor recruiting. How intense do you think Clay and Drevno are going to make the spring practices for this group? Also, as I remember from your reports in the past, given your viewing location, you have a hard time monitoring the O-line at practice. Thanks as always, Paul in Vegas. That is a good point. They are the hardest to monitor. There's no question about it down in the far corner uh, where you tend to have other position groups between you and the, and the O-line. I was always I, I was always bothered a little bit by the intensity level of the O-line, and it always seemed to have a disconnect with when Drevno talked about the O-line. He said on a number of occasions that that was the best group he'd had. Uh, and he had some really good O-lines at Stanford. Obviously, he coached the 49ers uh, under Harbaugh, but uh, uh, we didn't ever see that in practice. We didn't ever, you didn't ever get that sense that, boy, you know, this is a, an O-line that at the goal line or in short yardage situations or no matter what, they're going to, you know, all five guys acting as one and they're going to punch somebody in the mouth and they're going to get, you know, get some push. Uh, they didn't, you know, they didn't get pushed against Iowa. They didn't get pushed against any of the teams that really had the athletes to push back. You didn't see uh, this offensive line get pushed. Yeah. I think that might be, you know, as, as important as the whole defense is to come together. If you pick one position group, that you really need to see uh, uh, progress from. I think it's the O-line. And I think the, you know, I think the ability is there. I mean, you know, they've got, um, they've got five, five guys that have started. You might have to switch a position or two, uh, but I think they could put together a pretty functional offensive line. How will they practice every day? You know, how much will they, you know, they did a lot of goal line work, for example, that we could see last year. But they worked on the passing game on the goal line. And I wasn't against that because I like it that if you can throw the ball at the goal line, that's always a, you know, a great thing. But you didn't see where they really felt like they could knock somebody back and, and, and score uh, when they had to or get those short yardage situations. So, so I think that's something that people really have to watch this year is uh, what, are we, what are they getting out of the offensive line and, and where are they? 
We should make some requests to like, can you move the offensive line a little closer to us so we can like walk around Robin, a different position each day. Or yeah. Something. Even just practicing on the same part of the field every day. I mean, that's probably boring too. Like, wouldn't you want to mix it up a little bit? Like, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. No, I, I think the big part of that is A, they're on that, uh, uh, the turf patch over there where, you know, you tend to wear the grass out. And secondly, they don't want to move the equipment, you know, yeah. that the big sleds and all that. They tend to, uh, they're going to stay. They're not moving those sleds. That's for, that's for sure. Uh, and it's convenient. I don't know that they want people uh, watching uh, that closely. But, uh, yeah, we'd love to be able to. And, and yet, you can't always tell. You can say, well, that's kind of, you know, what the, you know, what the Rams offensive line looks like. Or that's kind of. But these guys aren't NFL players. So what they do in practice isn't necessarily what you need to do with college guys coming out of high school. Uh, and so, and then in 11 on 11, you just don't, uh, you don't see the live action quite as much as, as you need to. Uh, but we didn't get the sense, especially in the 11 on 11 stuff, uh, uh, that they had confidence that they could run the ball when they had to. Yeah. Well, why don't we take a quick break and we'll come right back and answer more of your questions. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Questions rolling along. We got like five Curtis Burrito Valley questions, or what do you got <laughs> next, Keely? We're continuing with Tito's email, who says, Hey, Ryan and team, quick question. Have you heard any updates on the possible removal of the UC Davis game on the 2021 schedule? Thanks, and fight on, Tito. We put that in the war room like a couple months ago, maybe, or I don't know what it was. Uh, I haven't heard any updates since then. It was something that was in the works from what I was told. Uh, but I, I can try to check around. Dan, have you heard anything along that line? No, I, I would guess that not hearing a, a, a denial that they're trying to do that would indicate um, that 
it's at least on the table yeah. uh, that they're making it. I mean, the, the crazy part of that is the report that it'll cost them $750,000 to back out of that game. That's the, that's the, they've got a lot of bad contracts at USC, the bad Nike contract, the bad Cliff Kingsbury buyout, the bad, whatever the poison pill is in the Clay Helton buyout. But if they went, if they agreed to a deal that gave, um, uh, uh, Cal Davis, excuse me, UC Davis, if they gave them a 750,000 buyout, if USC backed out, that's insane. Uh, I saw Portland State, I guess, is is getting scheduled up. Uh, you know, you can still get a you know a Division One game, and uh, their buyouts are, or their payouts are like four hundred and fifty and four hundred and seventy five thousand from uh, D one schools. It just seems like the whole UC Davis thing was as badly done as as anything that we've seen around here. Um, so hopefully they can figure out a way. And and we were told at the time there was only one other program that they could possibly schedule a game that date. And they wanted a million bucks in middle Tennessee or whatever. And then as it turns out now, there's like a dozen uh, programs, uh, D one programs that had, had open dates. So uh, this was not well done. So, Hopefully they want to get rid of this, and but I'm not sure they want to pay uh, seven hundred fifty thousand uh, uh, dollars in order to do that. Well, we'll check on it and see what uh, what else we can find out. But that was more. See, if you're a member, you would have read that stuff for a buck, dude, for a dollar ninety nine cents. Yeah, dude. Plus a penny, you can join. If you're not a member right now, go on uscfootball.com, become a member, go right on the front page and check it out. Two months of. War rooms, all the uh, spring practice updates. Yeah, and, it takes it through spring. That's yeah. some juicy content right there. Yeah, for just a buck. So make sure if you're not a member right now, make sure you try it out. Mm-hmm. We have an email from Paul Drayton who says, hey, guys, big fan. I will keep it brief. Spoiler alert, he didn't. Yeah, I, I, I love that when people say that. <laughs> they're like, yeah. I'm going to keep this short. It's a three-minute voicemail. It's like a or, full paragraph. Yeah, or a full page of notes. You're like, that's. Uh, do you know what brief is? I'm not sure. You didn't go back and reread it because if you would have read that, you're like, oh, this isn't brief anymore. At least he was conscious of it. Some people just put their thoughts and feelings into a full novel. But yeah. he says, I believe that after egregiously handling the decision not to fire Helton, A.D. Bone has developed a plan B. Here it goes. Step one, fire the entire defensive staff and special teams coordinator. Step two, hire talented coaches who know how to lead and believe in physicality and discipline. Step three, fix a recruiting problem by hiring two of the most successful recruiters in college football. Uh, And then in parentheses, he says, I believe the defensive line coach will fit the description above. Step four, continue to build slash tweak the highly successful offensive staff. Step five, at the first sign of trouble, fire Clay Helton and replace him with Graham Harrell. Although Harrell does not have prior head coaching experience, he fits the profile of the type of college coach and pro football te- the type of college or no, sorry, the type of coach college and pro football teams are hiring. Young offensive-minded coaches who have perfected the passing game. Furthermore, if they do not make Harrell the head coach, he will leave after the season for either a head coaching job at the college level or an offensive coordinator position in the NFL. If I'm right, USC will not lose any momentum in recruiting based on the fact that high school players will know who the head coach is as well as the position coaches during the entire recruiting process. This approach worked at Oklahoma and could work for USC. Your thoughts? Paul Drayton. Yeah. I think this is a terrible idea, Paul. <laughs> Sorry, this, Paul. Oklahoma is a completely different story. You had a very successful head coach that a very successful offensive mind was taking over. That's not the case at USC. If you want to make Graham Harrell an interim coach or something, but 
If you move on from Clay Helton, you got to go get a real experienced coach, not an inexperienced guy. So I think this is a terrible idea. Sorry, Paul. I, I think it could be if it's an interim situation, if they, you know, say after the Alabama game uh, and you decide this really isn't working, uh, you have the experience. If you're Mike Bone, you saw what happened. You were here for the whole preparation time for for the uh uh, Iowa, you know, holiday bowl game, you were here for the recruiting. You were told one thing and another thing happened. Then you're here uh, through uh, the start of the season. And then if you decide to make a make a change, that might be where uh, the Graham Harrell thing comes in. But it certainly looks to me like they're hiring a coaching staff for someone other than Clay. I mean, I know they're saying things like we're giving Clay everything he needs and we're, you know, we're doing all these, you know, bringing in these people who maybe look at the game differently from the way Clay does. But, you know, if that's the case, who do you bring in as a, as a, as an experienced winning head coach with, you know, great respectability if you've already hired a, a coaching staff for him? I think there's one guy you could bring in <clears throat> would be uh, Luke Fickle at the University of Cincinnati. Uh, did a great job. He's got two straight wins over uh, UCLA. He's probably going to be uh, top 25 again this year. And if that were the plan, it doesn't seem too crazy that his two previous bosses, the people that brought him to Cincinnati and had him be very successful for them, might not be consulting with him now about how you put this staff together. So I think you know, they, they're putting together a good staff, but are they putting together a good staff for Clay Helton? I don't know. Ah, so. Conspiracy theory, Dan, back Love out. It. Well, you and Andy from Calgary, Alberta, Dan, are on the same page oh. because he wrote in saying, hello, Dan, in the USCfootball.com crew. Any chance Luke Fickle didn't look at Michigan State because he thinks he could potentially replace Helton in a year or two? Do you think he'd be a good fit at USC? Thanks and fight on Andy from Alberta. Well, he he turned down a, a contract that would have more than doubled his salary. He had he and um, uh, Mel Tucker were both being paid two point four million dollars a year. Mel Tucker from Colorado, who took the job at Michigan State, <clears throat> and that was enough to get him to say, after a year, I'm out of here. Boulder, goodbye. He had done a nice job. Everybody there loved him. He was just starting to you know build. And Michigan State's not the greatest situation, I don't think, right now. But they were able to, you know, give him $5.5 million to $6 million a year. And that was enough. Luke Fickle had the first shot at that. And Michigan State thought they, they were going to get him over the weekend. And then he decided to go back to Cincinnati, uh, where, you know, his next – I don't know if he's going to get a new contract. He's got, I think, a couple of more years at $2.4 million. Uh, where could he get the kind of money and maybe a better opportunity uh, than at Michigan State? One could make the case that his previous bosses uh, might be able to offer him that opportunity. And you could make the case, if you want to go with the conspiracy theory, that you say, hey, hold on till next year. We'll have an opening. I don't know. Uh, but I don't think it's a crazy theory. Uh, I think it's a theory that you would say, oh, yeah, that makes some sense. Uh, huh. And that's, that's all you can do right now. 
And I, that, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about the, you know, I think he would probably be a candidate if uh, USC ended up having an opening and, you know, with the connection with, with Mike Bone for sure. But for specifically with Michigan State, that's a real middle of the road Big Ten program right now. And there's, there's a lot of potential problems coming down the road with, you know, there could be, there's all kinds of stuff going on there. I think a guy like Luke Fickle, you know, winning what is 11 games the last couple of years at a, at a, you know, he's going to be one of the hot coaching candidates. And I think if it, even if it's not specifically for USC, he's going to be up for big jobs. So I, I don't think Michigan state was going to be a big enough job, even if you were going to double his salary, because he knows he could wait a year and get something even better. So I think that's a lot of part of it. Was it specifically USC? I have no idea. But I think so. just in his situation, he would know he's got a good thing going there at Cincinnati, but also he, w- he would be a guy that's going to be up for big, big jobs. And, and for those you know that are kind of ground down by what's happened at USC the last 10 years, I don't think you realize to people in the rest of the country, USC is still potentially a really big deal. And I don't know that we always understand that because we're so close to it. But when you, you know, hear guys from like a Luke Fickles, an Ohio guy, I mean, let's face it, an Ohio State guy. Until, you know, the Cotton Bowl two years ago, USC had beaten Ohio State seven straight times. So USC's kind of a big deal uh, for people around the country. It really is. And, a, and, a, and an attractive place. Much more so than, say, uh, Michigan State. So, you know, USC has that going for it, even if maybe we don't always realize it. I'm going to honor Curtis's one of his emails. Uh, He says, on the last Parasol podcast, I heard Dan basically say that Clay Helton was forced to fire Clancy Pendergrass and John Baxter because he wouldn't do it on his own. If true, that means he was forced to fire T. Martin. Also means that he may not have the authority to fire any of those types of coaching positions at any time during his tenure. Then, if so, how can you say he should have been fired because he didn't fire his coaches sooner? Heard you say it many times. If he actually has the power to fire, we may never know. But Clay Helton hires great replacement coaches and coordinators. Getting that DB coach from Oregon caused a four-star athlete, Anthony Beavers, to decommit from the Ducks today. Dominoes falling. Curtis from Marino Valley. You can't yeah. say it means that if you if you were forced to if you were forced to do something that doesn't mean that means every other thing you've done you were forced to do that too. So you can't say I don't think you can lump in T Martin into that. No, I, yeah, that doesn't yeah, make sense. That was to me, wrong. Yeah, that's not the way it works. It really isn't. But yeah, I think uh, I don't think that that was Clay's uh, you know call on uh, either Clancy or or uh, John Baxter. It just. It's just not who Clay is. It's not how he works. And uh, <clears throat> it, it, I don't think that's the way it happened. Uh, so how this is all playing out, I don't think we're going to know for sure uh, where the pressure is and what the absolute, you know, you must do this or you must do that. And in terms of, you know, you could be forced to hire some, you know, fire somebody, but who's doing the the actual hiring and how is that working out? And then when you end up hiring people whose philosophy doesn't seem to be the same as yours, how does that work? I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, when, I mean, practice is a big part of college football. And if you're hiring people who, who philosophy stated philosophy uh, is, is 
you know, opposite yours. Um, I don't know how that hire was made. Did you make it? Did you go out specifically to hire people who looked at the game differently from the way you do? Or were you told this is who you're going to hire? I mean, again, conspiracy theory or not, it is kind of interesting that in all these uh, releases, or almost, I guess, the last four, of uh, naming the new assistant coaches, uh, except for uh, Todd Orlando, there haven't been any Clay Helton quotes that I remember seeing. I don't, I don't think he's been quoted about any of these new coaches. That's kind of odd. Uh, that just seems unusual. It definitely does. And I would say, uh, Curtis, when you're talking about things being forced, I think the new athletic department is definitely encouraging Clay Helton to make moves that are outside of his comfort zone. And I think you could say there's different, uh, you know, really forced. It wasn't like, you know, there's not like gun to your head, do this, do that. But, you know, what Clay Helton would rather do and what the, you know, the, the, the correct move would be, I think you now have an athletic department that's kind of steering it towards, Hey, instead of hiring like Joe Barry, who might be very good and he's familiar cause he's a USC person stuff, go get a Todd Orlando who was a hot name two years ago and was fired recently what we feel for more of a scapegoat thing. We think, you know, it, it's a, a great stock that you can buy on a dip and get them in, which like Dan said, that's not really been, his philosophies don't line up with Clay Helton. So it feels like that's being, and for what we've been told, it feels like there's more encouragement from the athletic department. I don't think, I think Clay Helton has to have the final say, but uh, you know, we've, if, if a boss has told Clay to do something in the past, he's done it. And so I feel in these kind of cases, if Mike, you know, if Mike Bone is like, Hey, rather go in this direction, I see Clay Helton kind of going in that direction. But the big issue is why do you need to be encouraged to do that? Uh, if you're, you know, there's, there's warning signs out there and, and we saw them, uh, in, you know, Arlington when USC lost to Ohio state and Clay Helton didn't make, he could have made changes. He stood pat. And it's sort of like, if you, you know, it's sort of like you're getting these warnings and they're maybe not as tangible as like, you just got a parking ticket. You're getting something, but you, you've seen the things like, yeah, this isn't against the good teams in that season. Even though USC won the PAC 12, you could look at it that way, but you're like, yeah, there's some issues. So you get that parking ticket and it's a warning. Well, you get another one, another one, and you're still not, you're not paying them. You're not making changes. And then all of a sudden you got a boot on your car. Then you do something like that's what it feels like that there were warning signs leading up to there's, there's going to be big problems down the road. You don't, you need to change your special teams coach. You need to get a new defensive coordinator. You need a better offense. That's not a gumbo. And I, I think Clay Holton's only made those changes when you've absolutely had to. And if you would have made those changes, all of them, like a year or two earlier, I think the program would be in a much better spot. I, I think that's what it's more about in my opinion, Curtis. Yeah. And if you're going to be the head coach, you have to be the head coach. You can't be the follower. You got to be the guy who's out in front. You got to be the most competitive person in the program. And if you're not, if there are other people uh, that that seem to want it more than you do, I mean that's it's been a been a tough part of, of of being around USC. I mean, I think those of us who covered the you know the Todd McNair situation and the whole NCA situation, there was a sense of there were a lot of people who were you know consider themselves USC people who wanted justice against the NCAA 
much more than USC did as a program, as a school. And there's a sense now that there are many of the people around the program would like to see this team compete a lot harder than some of the people in the program or the person that's calling the shots in the program. And that can't work. You you have to be the number one competitive guy. And uh, I mean, where else? If you look at every other you know big time college football program, the head coach is the reflection of how that program competes. Is that the case at you? And it is at USC. But is that the you know the competitiveness that you that a USC program has to have? I don't think we've seen that. Nope. We have a email from our buddy class, uh, Dan, class of 1962. Email from class. <laughs> he says, hi, Keely, Dan, and Ryan. I definitely believe that the current staff will be far better than last year's if Clay Helton is able to provide head coaching leadership. Can you say fast physical practices? Orlando and his hand-picked assistants have far more charisma and energy than Pendergast and his crew. Nansen, Coach K, and Greg Burns have could have been better with better leadership and modeling for recruiting from Clancy. Just like the current, just like the concern about high school coaching relationships, I'm also concerned that former players and coaches appear not to be welcomed at practices and team events. Our former stars like Willie McGinnis, Marcus Allen, Ron Yeri, Matt Leinart, and even Reggie Bush can be inspirational to current players. The former players are models for current players. What, if anything, is Clay doing to make the former players and coaches like John Robinson and Norm Chow a part of the football culture? Bye, Don, and best wishes as always, Dan, class of 1962. P.S. Before enrolling in USC in 1960, I had an opportunity to meet John Arnett, and that was an experience that I'll remember to this day. I even got to pl- play football catch with him. Fun fact. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the great players around USC, I mean, I think the last time you saw them where they were really – excited was in the uh, at the end of the Rose Bowl against Penn State and those guys all got together and got a box and went to the the Cotton Bowl for the Ohio State game and were they unhappy yes they were unhappy have they been unhappy since absolutely how do you get them happy how do you get them back at I mean you know if you're Clay and you know those guys really don't approve of what you're doing and they really really don't approve of the way you practice you're not going to bring them back to practice, and they're not coming back to practice. I mean, I think they need to figure out a way to to get those guys back. I mean, one of the great moment, times I, you always loved every other year, they go to South Bend, they go do the walkthrough at Notre Dame Stadium, and they're waiting for them at the end of the ramp as they came down uh, would be uh, Anthony Munoz, uh, for example, come up from Cincinnati. I mean, you know, you can't. That doesn't get any better than that. And yet, again, they don't do walkthroughs, you know, on the road, um, and they don't bring those guys back. And uh, that's uh, that's been really missing. Uh, uh, for example, Juju Smith-Schuster, when he did his first fundraising dinner for his foundation, uh, brought Anthony Munoz back, uh, and that was a great move. And he's such an inspirational guy. Uh, USC has those guys everywhere, you know, the Ronnie Lots and the, you know, the Marcus Allens and all those guys that, you know, you could bring back and, uh, they got to figure out a way to do that. And they got to play a way that those guys want to be identified with. It's, it's hard for those guys to come back. I mean, Marcus Allen now is, 
much more identified with the LSU program and, and, and Ed Orgeron. And he loves the way they're doing what they do. And it looks like it's working. Uh, but USC's got to get back to there. And, you know, that's, you know, that ought to be one of the first things you would try to think about. How do you do that as a head coach at USC? That doesn't seem to be what anybody's thinking about. Now, Reggie Bush can't come back. That's one of the players that Dan mentioned. Dan Klausner. Reggie who? Who is that? We're not allowed to talk about him. Redacted, redacted. And also... I think, isn't it up? I think it's... uh, This is the last year. They can't now anymore uh, ban you for lifetime. So I think Reggie's is up this year. So he actually could could be brought back. Um, Will USC do that? I don't know. Who knows? We shall see. And then Willie McGinnis is around a lot. He was... Well, on the sidelines for a lot of the games and was even talking to Mike Bone for a while during uh, yeah. the Holiday Bowl. Um, and then I feel like it would be weird if Norm Chow came back, right? I feel like that would be kind of, uh, kind of You know, it's funny. I, I spoke – we spoke at the same luncheon um, like this – it's a uh, like South Bay quarterback club or something. And, uh, yeah, he uh, you know, he would have been – now he's a head coach or he's an offensive coordinator. Is he for the, the L.A. team? I think so. The yeah. The LA team. Yeah. Yep. No, oh, I mean, okay. He would come around. He would have been – he was interested in being like an analyst or something like that um, when I talked to him, and you know, I I don't think USC had really reached out to him, but uh, you know, now he's now he's got a regular job. But I, True. I'm so sure then, if he would want, you know, if if Clay you know, I mean, like, like Ed Orgeron reached out to John Robinson, uh, you know, you could have reached out to. Uh, I know LSU and Alabama; those schools hire as many in Ohio State as many of those guys as as, as they want. But it wouldn't be a bad idea for USC to, you know, Norm's kind of a, a contrarian. That might not be a bad idea to have, you know, yeah. a contrarian to come around and be a, an analyst and talk about the good old days and all that. You uh, know, he actually talked to me about it. He's like, you know, they talk about air raid. Like when he was throwing the ball around, he said a lot of those concepts come from what we were doing at BYU. So it's not like it's not all new. I mean, there was a lot of the passing concepts. He would that's what he was telling me would come from his stuff. You were talking about analysts. Alabama just hired Charlie Strong as an analyst. Like what? Like he was on our hot board for defensive coordinators <laughs> yeah. for USC, and Alabama's like, yeah, I guess he'll make our analyst cut. You know, Alabama's like a coaching black hole. They just like suck them all up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they they and the, the smart thing is they're hiring guys that are getting paid by somebody else, so they don't yeah. have to pay them a whole lot. You know, whatever the standard, because you know the only thing that you know the the school that is still paying you your contract, they can s- deduct the standard rate for analysts but it isn't going to be that much against no. the head coach's salary so uh so yeah and norm is correct about that when i was the sid at xavier we played in uh the brigham young basketball uh christmas tournament and i still remember they were getting ready for a bowl game and i went over and watched them practice every single day and i had never seen anything like it because they didn't run the ball and you know they they threw short passes like handoffs that it was that was their running game but I was fascinated, and at, at the time, no one else was doing that. And watching them practice, I think I went three straight days, and it was mesmerized But how they did what they did and how, how good they were with Lavelle Edwards as a head coach. And Norm was the, uh, was the offensive coordinator, and, and they were wonderful to watch. And he's not wrong about that. That, that is correct. I wonder if uh, Clay Helton and Nick will get along since they've played each other twice and uh... – you know, Clay will have a nice buyout from USC and he'll just, you know, just like Lane and Sark, he'll just join 
Saban's Ella staff and move on like that. You know. I'm still trying to get over you calling him Nick. <laughs> First name basis. Yeah, yeah it'd be a Nick. We go back way back. Homies? Okay, interesting. But that's happened the between nice, USC coaches. The, the, uh, the niceness quotient of the Alabama staff will improve greatly with yeah. uh, with Clay's arrival. So we have one final email. I'm moving on, if that's okay. Okay. Uh, it's from Don, who says, uh, I'm c- curious how JT Daniels will handle being the backup quarterback. JT's stats were just as impressive when you consider he had essentially no offensive coordinator, and Slovis uh, had one that inflates QB stats. Don. Well, I think his attitude is great. I mean, JT has told people, I'm coming back. I'm going to get my USC degree. I, I really consider that important. I'm going to compete like heck. And I'm going to win the job. You can't ask for any more than that. Now, I don't know. And I, from all the reports we hear, uh, his uh, you know, rehab is going great, that he's doing things and doing extra things and doing stuff that everybody doesn't do. And uh, so I don't know if you know, we'll see him in, in spring ball. But uh, you couldn't ask for a better situation than, uh, than to have a JT Daniels committed to coming back and competing for that job and comp- competing hard for it when you've got an offense that is so quarterback dependent and you can go into it, you know, really with three former start or guys who started games. But when you have, you know, two of the you know, the quality arms that Keaton and uh, JT have, I think, I think he's going to come back and, and push, push, push really hard. Will he be ready to do that at the start of uh, fall practice? I think that's a big question. I don't know by, uh, by the week of the Alabama game, he'll probably be ready to go. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting uh, dynamic all through all through the year. I mean, I think obviously uh, Graham Harrell identifies a little more with with Keaton. Uh, Keaton was more like Graham was, sort of an overlooked, not a big uh, you know five star, uh, highly promoted guy. And I think there's kind of a uh, you know, they, they're they kind of on the same wavelength where JT was this superstar coming out of high school who started right away as a freshman. Uh, but uh, it'll be an, I, think it, I think it will work well. I think it's got the potential to work well uh, for USC. Keely, I want to read this last one, too. Um, okay. I, I'll do it. That's fine. It's uh, David from Behind the Orange Curtain. Just, oh, right, right, right. We got one last thing. So he said, Ryan, I heard you on uh, Reign of Troy. So I went into the Reign of Troy studio with uh, Michael and Alicia and did a show kind of talking about like the expectations for USC and stuff going forward. But we talked about all kinds of stuff like the origins and the site. And Michael used to come to you know our tailgates. He's like, I came to your tailgate in like 2001. You made my 12 year old. Yeah. He made my dad a, a screwdriver or something. So it was really fun. So make it's sure you check it out. It's a fun podcast for sure. Yeah. So check that out. He says, great job as always. Thank you, uh, David. As an old school Trojan, I'm with you. Tire biter. So we were talking about, so they gave me some weird questions. Like if you had to pick a, another, like Trojans is off the table. You can't use that anymore. Like coming up with some other nickname. The USC blanks. Yeah. And uh, I, I, it was hard to really think of something. You want something unique and, and traditional. But then, you know, I kind of went back to like the old mascot tire biter. I kind of like that. But uh, apparently David likes that. Uh, he says, have him run out and bite the leg of a Pac-12 ref. Uh, and I also heard you mention R from TFO. So TFO was Trojan Football Online. It was another early site like uscfootball.com. He says, I cannot uh, begin to create the image of me overseas with no TV to connect to USC games in the 90s. The only thing I had 
was Arv and TFO. What happened to Arv? God bless him. Fight on. Dave in Orange County. I haven't heard from Arv in a long time. Arv was, I think, a grad student. So I was an engineer creating uscfootball.com. Arv was like a grad student at USC and was using USC servers to run Trojan football online. And at the time, like traffic was a big deal. Like you had to kind of pay. So he was sort of getting, you know, sorry, USC people, but he was using like USC traffic and stuff. And it became like private. I don't know. I think it might still be around. I'm not sure. I haven't looked for a long time, but uh, yeah, or we would talk every once in a while, but I haven't heard from him in years. So I don't know, David, where he is. Interesting. It was a good podcast though. I you had like fun, it? fun time listening to it. We talked a lot of nonsense for a lot of it, but there was food takes. There was all kinds of stuff. And they had me ask some weird questions, but I thought it was a good, good time doing it, you know, going in their studio. We've had Alicia here for Tunnel Vision. We got to get Michael on sometime too. I tried to convince him after the well, He pod. doesn't want to? He doesn't want to. He yeah. doesn't like the live thing? Yeah. The other thing, Dan, so, you know, we the, we record our show like it's live. Like if there's a big screw up or something, like obviously it's usually Keely, but when that <laughs> happens... We'll stop. It's just like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And we'll just go back and do it again. But I like to record this as live. And if I say, um, three times in a row, I say, um, three times in a row. And we just move on. And you just. Hence why my question readings are not clean. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, whatever. But so that's what we like to do. Michael's more of an audio czar and he'll play like this buzzer sound if he screws up. And I was kind of waiting for that because Keely said when she would go on, she would go on their roundtable show more. And there was all kinds of screw-ups, and there's buzz, buzz, buzz. And it just seemed like there was this whole production going into it. And when I went there to record, there was no buzzing. They were just We recorded the whole way through. So I don't know if they were just doing it as a courtesy to me. or just, I think just, it's easier when you're all in the same place together because your yeah. cues are better. Yeah, you can like, like that's why Dan and I talk over each other sometimes because we can't see when one is starting to talk. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. So it happens. But it was interesting. Do you, were you you weren't around for TFO? Were you, Dan? Do you remember that? Site? Vaguely, I don't even remember what I remember about it, other than it was just sort of there somewhere. I I have almost no other memories of it, other than it existed somewhere. Okay, hold on, it's still there. So if you go to fighton.com, you can click on Trojan Football Online, uh, but it's a it's like a group. Uh, it's Tapatalk, so it's not like a a special website but it looks like there's still message boards there but you have to like jo- you have to join in but um i mean they still have pictures of pete carroll on the front page of there and stuff so it's i mean it's definitely older it's it, but it's been around a long time it's been around like since we were and i we actually had uscfootball.com had the first message board that you could you know for usc football that you could post your own messages like and it was a pearl script that i was uh tweaking because i had wrote all the code myself for the site and all that stuff and arv had one uh where you would email him in and he would post it himself so it wasn't like a self-serving kind of message board like but you could still post there uh and then he ended up getting one uh a little bit afterwards but it was it was interesting times back then trying to figure out what was going on the wild wild west no that was a different website which still exists i think (laughs) They still exist. Okay. The green they, board. Yeah. They call it the green board. And it was like crazy. Yeah. I forget who. I think a USC guy ran that one too, but it was all like recruiting stuff. And I think they still use the same old. Now I got to look this up sort of it. But uh, in case we need to pad the podcast a little bit, uh, it was a Wild Wild, a Wild, Wild West uh, recruiting board. No, I was just saying the Wild Wild West like back in the day, not like an actual board. 
There is an actual board still there, and it is the Wild Wild West. I didn't uh, know that. Wildwestsports.com, and then it's if you see this, like this is the Pearl script that we used back in 1997. Wow! And they are still right. using it, like the same one from 23 years ago or whatever. Like they're using the same script, and yeah, these are posts. There's posts from today, like. This is how we ran, and it's you know it's the exact. It's like it has not changed, which it's is amazing. crazy. That's crazy. You you remember that one, Dan? Right? Like Absolutely. that was. Oh yeah, no, I, I I got you know that was interesting. Uh, they they got into various controversies, and they were on on top of things, and and, and some wild wild uh, you know rumors would originate there and all that. But uh, they were uh, they were somebody you paid attention to a little bit. And there's some action on it. Uh, like the the first page is all one thread about, and it was thread view. So you wouldn't see like, it's what we have now is topic view. So there's like a topic and you click into it and you would see all the stuff. Thread view is what the, the old, old school people like where you see the responses underneath each one. And a lot of times they would respond without even putting anything in the subject. It was all in the title. And there would be like these conversations of like, responses with titles and stuff. So this is all like, if you're looking, I'm looking at this page, that's all one thread, all the responses, the thread of like, yeah. So it's making a millennial like cringe over there, but, um, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. I'm glad we're doing this on an audio and you not visual medium. But go to, I didn't even know that still existed. So TFO still exists and wildwestsports.com still exists. And that was like, that's kind of what we were, uh, coming up in when uscfootball.com got started. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, one good thing about that, you could tell the hot topics by how many responses there were. I mean, that was, you know, you didn't know exactly where it was going, but uh, you could you could sort of get a sense of how many people were, were responding. Yeah. Oh, you know, I was right. So there's, there are multiple threads. It looked like that was all the same one, but you can see there's like 15 responses to each one and they all just take up space. So, wow, that, that you know, me editing a Perl script, like, Cheek tweaking the colors or tweaking how things worked or where replies would go. Like it was crazy. Like someone came up with the script and then you'd have to like customize it and upload it to your server and all this stuff. So just doing all that stuff kind of giving me nightmares what all the stuff I had to do. Like writing all the code for the site was not really fun at the time. So it's much easier now. We got 24 seven sports let them handle all that stuff. And when something doesn't work, you you kind of complain to customer support instead of like, Oh, I got to go fix the code whatever so from your seat in hawaii <laughs> right doing that <laughs> nice. nice cool well i guess we'll wrap it up you owe me a coke uh, we're spending too much time together ryan we end it with the same word <laughs> well that is uh keely or thanks again keely thank you thank you dan weber thank you thank you it was fun yeah thanks to all the listeners out there uh we like i said make sure you check out our special i think it ends tomorrow so uh it ends on wednesday the end of the day so make sure you check it out you're not a member yet just try it for a dollar like what 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 can you lose you lose a dollar like you know if you don't like it i will send you a dollar so just do that so wow. just try it out email me if you don't like it i'll send you a dollar in the mail and then we're, we'll we'll call it even but make sure you check it out that's two months of access and we're gonna have a special podcast a little later this week so make sure you stay tuned for that that's keely he's dan i'm ryan thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you next time You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. 
We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.